Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh my goodness. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome in to the Mass and All Access Podcast, brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota, and let's go places. Welcome in to the <laughs> Mass and Web Studio. Bobby Blanco and Amy Jennings here for our latest edition of the Mass and All Access Podcast. Be sure to tune in every single week, Wednesday afternoon, 1 o'clock, on the Mass and Nationals Facebook page, YouTube channel, and of course, after the fact, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you subscribe to your podcast, you should be able to find the Mass and All Access Podcast. Amy, do you think the people at Toyota will appreciate that I did their jingle? Yeah, that during was the read? pretty good. Do they still do that? Jingle? I didn't see it coming. I have never, to be honest, I've never heard that. Really? That's why it threw me off a little bit. Um, but now that I know, yeah, it probably sounded any just Toyota like commercial probably. at the end. You hear like the do 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 do. That's a let's go places. Oh, yeah. uh, maybe we'll hear someone from. Uh, um, well, Paul and Brendan, you better step up your game <laughs> and do that next time. Or we're Orioles gonna hear podcast. someone from Toyota of DC being like, just do the yeah, read and compute. Yeah. Things. <laughs> um, well, welcome into the show, uh, Amy. How was your week? Or I guess it's Wednesday. How's your week been going? Good, I think. I have Friday. a little bit of a cold, okay. so I don't like it. Everyone um, does, though. So, yeah, it's just the time of year. So that kind of is sucky. But yeah. other than that, it's been pretty good. I was telling Bobby before, like, so usually I come in to produce the Orioles podcast. And so I was getting ready to leave my house this morning, and then I realized that I didn't have to come in for that today. Mm -hmm. So I laid down on my couch. I fell asleep, and I had this whole dream that I missed our podcast. Oh, no. I didn't make it. You were so upset. There were, like... All these people were so mad at me. It was kind of bizarre. So I woke up like in a panic and then it, I had only been asleep for like 15 minutes. So that's like the dream. Like when you're in school and you're like, that was due today. Yeah. And you're like, wait, I'm now 30. I'm not in school. I don't have anything due today. So it's like, I get the feeling. And Amy, it would take a lot, a lot more than that for me to be upset at you. Well, thanks, it happens. A lot. It happens to the best of us. It does. We would just have to push the podcast back a couple yeah. months. That's fine. It's no big deal. We'd so, survive. So We'd don't, don't through. ever stress about that too much. <laughs> I'm also struggling today. As you can see, if you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, you can tell I'm using an iPad today. I left my computer. Yeah. At my parents' house this afternoon. So that was Bobby came in and out of this room like five times. There's my water bottle. My water my bottle computer, in my car. My phone. It's just I don't know why. Corey Dickerson is sending us all yeah. into a it's complete Yesterday was chaos. kind of a crazy day. I was already like it was my day to like, all right, Tuesdays I'm gonna do a podcast prep. I'm gonna do some errands. I got a haircut. Um, I visited my mom. I did a bunch of a bunch of stuff, like, you know, not work related, kind of right. my errands day. And then of course Corey Dickerson oh. was announced and then we had a zoom that I had to take from my phone and my car. Um, it's just kind of a, so I guess I'm still frazzled from yesterday afternoon leading into this morning. All this news. We do not know how to act. Don't know how to act. And, but the national store, before we get to Corey Dickerson, obviously we're going to talk a lot about that today. And, um, the other moves at the nationals, they actually made a handful of moves yeah. on Tuesday. So we're gonna talk about a lot about that, but I do want to touch on, I guess the official conclusion of the Carlos Correa Sega Saga, whatever, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, he re-signs with the Twins. Sega's the game, the old uh. game console. I don't know why I messed up. Uh, but he re-signs with the Twins. It was almost a month ago that we were talking about how he completely, you know, shelled the the, the Giants, gave them the cold shoulder, and went to the Mets, signing a, a similar deal with the Mets. And we were kind of panicking. Oh my gosh! Now that Mets have. You know, Correa playing third base, Lindor at shortstop, still Pete Alonso. I mean, they're going to be one of the best lineups in baseball. Everyone's saying, all right, this can go through, go through, go through. Holidays pass, week goes past, and still nothing official. And then it's all coming back that the same thing. 
The Mets are having the same issue that the Giants had with Correo and his medicals and his physical. And then it comes down yesterday that he is in an agreement and now sounds like officially this morning, Wednesday morning, it is official. He is returning Jeez. to the Twins on a wild deal. I don't have the details in front of me, but I believe it's something like six years, $200 million with the potential to we add four more to the four end more, yep. and go up to like $280 million or something like that. Yeah, and I kind of had a feeling as soon as the Mets seemed like they were on the outs and the Twins were back in the conversation, I was like, oh, well, you know what? That kind of makes the most sense now. But, I mean, I feel like it was just this has been crazy so weird so weird and that it's all over an ankle injury that happened in the minor leagues in 2014 yeah i mean it's all over that getting that plate in his ankle and how he he it was hit this season and he felt some numbness or tingling or whatever it was and that's what they're so concerned about and all this like conspiracy theory that it's been his twin brother that's been taking his physical <laughs> does he actually have a twin brother i'm I don't. Think I couldn't so. tell. You. I, I mean, don't know. I, maybe he does, since that's the conversation. Well, like that was everything was popping. I was like, that can't be. That's just Real? that's so wild. That's so wild. Right. But like, yeah, like you said, you know, kind of along those lines. Like the twins were probably the team that knew his medicals the best. Exactly. Maybe aside from the Astros, all his time in Houston. So like they were the ones that felt most comfortable. I mean, he was just great for them the past two years. I mean, he earned the right to be this free agent and, and get these supposedly large contracts. He hasn't missed any time from it. You know what I mean? It's just the weirdest Recently, thing. Recently, so it's, it's the weirdest thing. That, that press conference is going to be super interesting. Whenever, oh, If sure. it's later today or tomorrow or later in the week, whenever Correa and his agent Scott Boris and the Twins general manager and, and manager are up on front of a mic, and the first question is going to be like, so what happened? <laughs> like, what was I mean, all it, that? I get it. If you're When you're offering somebody 13 years, sure. you, know, you want to make sure they're good to go for at least a good portion of those. But an but, injury that happened nine years ago? Right. And he's been an all-star, one of the best players in baseball since. Like, I just don't understand. Like, how can it be? I, yeah, you're right. I get. But if, if this injury were to happen this year or even in 2021, or like, even I if get he, that. he missed time from it. Right. You know, like in recent years. Right. I, I get that. Wanted to make sure every, you know, I keep using this pump, but cover all your bases. I understand that. But nine years ago, who? Yeah. It's clearly okay. I don't know. I, I'm also surprised that it was like Steve Cohen was the one to be like, nah, right. I'm not going to do this. That's another surprising part. Because I, I feel like he would have been like, who, to pay. yeah, like, like, you know, we'll figure it out. Who cares? Just get him on the team. But no, yeah. then I, I'm sure Nationals fans are rejoicing that the Mets now don't have one of the best shortstops also on a team with another one True. of the best shortstops. I mean, this division has just been bonkers this offseason. Obviously top heavy with the Mets, Phillies, and Braves. Um, the, Met, the Nationals, of course, we're going to talk about their couple moves later on. Um, I don't know if the Marlins have done anything. I haven't kept track with the Marlins at all, but this has been a very top-heavy division, and all three of these teams are all in. And so they're all, both all, not both, I should say all three are looking to get back to the playoffs, back to making another playoff World Series push. Um, I do want to kind of, as we get closer to spring training, get kind of break down every team in the division mm -hmm. and do a full division preview because this has been a fascinating offseason for many reasons, but a lot because of the NL East. Yeah, and you'd much rather see Carlos Correa in Minnesota. Oh, yeah, 100%. Than you would in New York. Yeah, I'm um, sure Twins fans I are mean, even though the schedule's a little bit different this year, still, right. you would have to see him a lot, and nobody wants that. Yeah, you see him once a season, maybe twice a, a series for, for right. per season. So, um, yeah, and as opposed to being in the division and helping uh, the Mets win possibly another division, even though they ended up losing the division last right. year. Um, so that was kind of crazy. Um, I do want to mention another housekeeping note that the Nationals did announce an exhibition game against the other team in New York, the New York Yankees. Um, that will be on March 28th, Tuesday, 12.05 p.m. at Nationals Park. Tickets are on sale now, so you can go buy tickets. 
Um, this is something the Nationals typically do. I don't think they did it during 2020, obviously not 2020, but or 2021 or last year because of COVID reasons. But it looks like they're back this yeah. year having an exhibition that's open to fans before they open the season two days later at Nationals Park against the Braves. I believe the Yankees are opening up in Baltimore, so that's why they'll be near. Oh, right they'll be going to make a quick stop in D.C. before busting up the Baltimore for their opening day. Well, if you wanted to see one of the other big name free agents that was on the market this year, and Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge that's yeah. a perfect opportunity to go see it. It oh, is a Tuesday at noon. Tuesday still. at noon. And it, it always, I remember because for the longest time I would be there for social reasons or covering for Mark Zuckerman because, you know, he'd be on his way back from the end of spring training. It always rains on that day. No matter, it's always cold and rainy. It's gonna, and, which it'll I, be cold. Which is preferable to opening day. But it's always raining and cold for that exhibition. I'm, yeah. I'm already counting on it being raining and cold that day. Um, and, well, that'll be the last chance to check out the Nationals before opening day, which would be pretty exciting. And I, I do like that they do that, you know, give. It, it's cool. It's a cool, like, little. little to here. wrap up the. Tickets are probably very cheap. I, I think in the past they might have done, like, free, like, hot dogs and water. You could buy other concessions, but, like, the basic okay. packet were, like, pretty much free. Uh, I don't know what they're doing that now, but like it's usually a pretty easy event to get to if you can in the middle of the day right. or Tuesday in the middle of the week. But yeah, it's a, it's a good it's event. Cool. So that's back this year. Open to fan. Tickets are on sale now. Go visit nationals.com for that. All right. All right. Let's get to the big news from Tuesday afternoon. The Nationals signed left fielder Corey Dickerson to a one-year $2.25 million deal with incentives that can push it up to $3 million possibly for the one-year deal. Dickinson's already in his 30s. I'm sure Nationals fans remember him from his time with the Marlins, the Phillies. Um, he recently played with the Cardinals this past season. He's been kind of all over the place and over his career. Um, a long, pretty pretty solid career as well. Uh, and um, I, this pretty much fills out the outfield. He's more likely going to be your starting left fielder on opening day. Place him somewhere in the lineup. And um, I think this is going to be uh, pretty much the, the last... May, I mean, unless something else crazy happens where someone becomes available, but probably the last major league move the, the Nationals make before spring training. Yep, yep. After that Dominic Smith signing, we didn't really feel comfortable with where their lineup was without going out and getting a left fielder. Uh, they kind of fulfilled that need in Corey Dickerson. Now he's going to be the only player in this lineup with at least six seasons of major league experience. Like you mentioned, Bobby, seven teams. I forgot some of them yeah. <laughs> across his 10 seasons when I was going back to look, but he had that all-star season in 2017 with the Rays. He won a gold glove with the Pirates in 2018. So um, a proven track record. He struggled a little bit um, over the last few seasons, but they're hoping you know he can kind of get a little bit back to where his, his average uh, production was at the plate uh, and he's going to be the everyday left fielder for the nationals you know with the exception probably of when they face left-handed pitching yeah he is much better against righties than lefties as a left-handed bat but going back to um, winter meetings amy i think that this was one of your interviews you did with david martinez but he mentioned multiple times needing a left-handed bat they got one dominic smith they added now another one for their left field uh, spot in their lineup so he was looking for that but yeah Dickerson is much better against right-handers than he is left-handers. He's the kind of a true splits guy. So it will be interesting to see how Davey... Now, when Dickerson met with the media yesterday, on, on Tuesday, he did mention that, you know, he's, op you know, of course, anything you want to do to help the team win, mm -hmm. open to, you know, filling in the DH spot on days he needs to get off his feet, also maybe even sitting against lefty starters. Um, but, yeah, he is going to be a guy that can play a lot against right-handers. We'll see him out in the outfield. And hopefully he can kind of recapture that gold glove caliber defense because I think he slipped off a lot in St. Louis last year, mm -hmm. um, only playing not even 100 games uh, for the Cardinals 
Um, and he's developed himself now into a contact hitter. And it was interesting that he talked about this was a connection that I don't think I, I didn't make. But going back to 2013, he made his major league debut at Nationals Park as a member of the mm-hmm. Rockies. He hit two doubles in that game, and he is crushed at Nationals Park over his career. 19 games, of course, spending time within the division. He has a 359 average and a 1079 OPS with, I believe, six home runs. Oh, no, yeah, six home runs, which is one of his most in a single park that wasn't his home park. You know, a team, you know, not counting Tropicana Field, PNC Park, Bush Stadium, all those, all the stadiums that he called home, not counting those. I think that's Park is one of the parks that he's hit the most home runs in. And that must be, I mean, if, I really haven't heard a whole lot of players comment on the ballpark itself. And he was like, you know, I love the atmosphere there. The fact that it's a modern ballpark, you know, he kind of said all of that in that press conference. I'm sure some of that's because he's had some success there. Um, You just mentioned it, but it was interesting that he, you know, came back to that and that he really liked the ballpark. Um, But like you said, made his debut there. I'm sure that's part of it as well. But um, the, I think it'll be interesting to see, just how many games he does play in left field and whether mm-hmm. they're they're going to move Joy Manessis out there in the days that he doesn't play. Maybe Stone Garrett. Stone Garrett has much more success um, against left-handed pitchers um, than Corey Dickerson does, so maybe that'll be kind of hit that extra outfield option if Stone Garrett owns, earns it over spring training, but I think that'll be interesting to see how they kind of platoon those guys. Yeah, let's um, take a look if you're watching us live on on. I was going to say television, but YouTube or Facebook, a potential defensive lineup for the Nationals this year. Uh, Sliding Dickerson into left field. Bless you. Sliding Dickerson into left field. That's going to bump Alex Call to the bench probably. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when you've got – you're looking at Victor Robles, of course, in center, Lane Thomas in right. The infield is now set with Dominic Smith being official at first base, Luis Garcia at second, C.J. Abrams at short, uh, Jamie Candelario at third. We're saying Cabo Ruiz, of course, is going to be your starting catcher. Joey Manessas as your DH. Uh, and just for these exercise purposes, we've got Josiah Gray as your starting pitcher. And then you look at your bench. Carter Keyboom coming back from mm-hmm. injury. Tommy Darn, we talked a lot about him this offseason. Utility man, Ildemar Vargas can kind of play all over the field. Second, maybe short on an emergency. Third, maybe a corner outfield spot in an emergency. And then Alex Calls, you're going to be your true backup first baseman, more likely than not, over Stone Garrett. That'll be a battle to watch in spring training. But yeah, Dickerson provides some stability and veteran play in left field. Like you said, he's got way more experience than both Robles and Thomas. And I do believe his defense has dripped off a bit over the past couple of seasons. Yep. But if you can kind of recapture that uh, momentum that he had when he was a gold glover, when you, like you mentioned, uh, that's going to bring some improved defense because the Nationals need it. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last year. Um, and they need, and, and, and if you're going to be a bad team, at least you can be good defensively. Right. Yeah. He ranks still ranks third among um, active players in fielding percentage in left field, but it has definitely slipped off the last couple of years. Um, and I think it's pretty clear now that Dominic Smith isn't really an option in left field for the Nationals. The Nationals actually listed him as a first baseman True. when they sent out that press release. So I think, you know, that's kind of said. He said it himself. He wants to play first base every day. Joey Manessis provides a good backup there at first base. So you are going to see Corey Dickerson in left field. I think it just matter. It, it comes down to who earns that extra outfield spot and whether that's going to be Alex Call or it's going to be Stone Garrett or, you know, maybe you know, whatever they do there. Uh, Jamer yeah. Candelario moves over to first on those days. Vargas True. slots in to third and then you can move Joey Maness, you know, however or they boom. or key boom because um, we, we kind of don't know 
what he's going to be or when he's going to be back healthy um, either. So that'll be interesting to see how they do it. But for now, he's going to be your everyday left fielder. Of his 96 games he played with the Cardinals last year, 57 came in left field. He did play seven in right, I'm guessing, in an emergency situation. Mm -hmm. He performed 19 as a designated hitter. He made 13 appearances as a pinch hitter, um, and then three as a pinch hitter for the DH himself. So almost half of his games came in left field. A little over half of his games came in left field. So um, if he's healthy enough, he also talked about his injury history. He's been banged up the past couple of seasons, which has been a – a frustrating point for him. So hopefully remaining healthy, you get closer to like, you know, a 135 to 140 game season from him. Um, and you would expect more than a little over, like maybe a 60, 40 percentage wise cut him playing in left field and then over DH depending, of course, injuries happen, but depending on everything else. Um, only 28 of his plate appearances um, with the Cardinals came against left-handed pitchers. Wow. So that's, I mean, and he only got like two hits, I think, right? Right, two, yeah. He, yeah, so that's a, you know, I think that's some, when we talked about last week, if they go out and get a left hand, uh, uh, a left fielder, do they have to be a left handed hitter? Right. Um, and I kind we both agreed that no, they didn't really, because they felt they filled that need with Dominic Smith. So that's going to be kind of interesting to see how they deal with those splits. Yeah. And, and Dickerson also talked about, you know, how he's changed because he used to be a power hitter. Um, he had a couple of seasons close to, if not at 30 home runs. Um, and he had to kind of revamp the way he approached it. Now he's become more of a contact hitter later in his career. He's at 33 years old now, putting the ball in play. Um, he does have, per fan graphs, like his batting average of balls in play is way higher than his actual batting average. He's right. a little over 300. So when he does get the ball in play, he is a productive contact hitter. Um, let's look at the potential Nationals lineup and see where he slots in because if we're looking at Corey Dickerson as a contact hitter, you're not going to look a lot of power for him. They're going to try to get power from, of course, Joey Manessis, Dominic Smith, maybe KB Ruiz breaks out. Candelario has the potential to hit 20 home runs. Of course, he led the league in doubles a couple of seasons ago. But this lineup that I put together – I'm going basically right, left, right, left, right here. So mm -hmm. Lane Thomas at the start in right field. Uh, Luis Garcia batting second and second base. Joey Manessis as your DH hitting third. Dominic Smith hitting cleanup at first base. Cabo Ruiz as catcher batting fifth. Sliding Corey Dickerson as your left fielder batting sixth. And then Jamie Candelario at third. CJ Abrams at shortstop. Victor Robles rounding out the lineup. Um, and, you know, Corey Dickerson, I, I checked. He has hit mostly. He's hit a lot. Lead off second base, mm -hmm. but a lot also like fifth, sixth in his career. Yep. So I figure that's where he's going to start. Maybe if he starts getting on base at a higher rate, maybe Lane Thomas struggles. You see him move up a little bit closer to a leadoff spot, but I'm going to slot him sixth right now uh, behind the power hitters, Dominic Smith and Caber Ruiz, because I'm going to assume Dom and Caber are going to be there hitting four or five to pr provide protection for Joey Manessis. Right, which is crazy. That right. I feel like this whole offseason we've been like looking at you know the hitters that they get, and it's like, oh, well, they need some protection for Joey Manessis, Manessis which is he wasn't even a factor in this equation right. um, you know, at the beginning of last season. Season, which is a little bit crazy and we still don't know what Joey Manessis is going to be able to do this season either I mean you're banking on him coming back and being the same hitter he was which is probably a little bit unrealistic because mm -hmm. he hadn't shown that yet in his career but we'll see so but I think you know probably in that six maybe you know, depending on what he does, Jamer Candelario might get bumped up in the lineup, you know, depending on what he's able to do. Um, but I definitely could see him there. Probably, yeah, probably the six, six hole spot is most realistic. Yeah. He actually day. going, even going back to the 2021 season for, for Dickerson, um, 
he had a batting average of balls in play of 323 opposed to his actual 271 mm-hmm. batting average. So again, he's shown that potential of when he does get the ball in play, not trying to hit the home run ball, but just getting in play, getting on base. He can be productive in that way. It's just a matter of him staying healthy, being able to make contact and getting on base and hopefully providing some sort of offensive boost to that bottom half of the lineup, which suffered a lot last mm-hmm. year, especially after Juan Soto left, after Josh Bell left, and all the power was gone, and you had a struggling Nelson Cruz in the hole. Yeah, you're hoping hoping Dominic Smith can get the ball in the air a little bit more. You're hoping Corey Dickerson can hit from, for some more power because that was their – they couldn't hit for power last year. I mean, they after they lost – everybody the trade deadline they didn't have any power in this lineup so adding to that at least over the next season i think it's going to be important for them it's a lot of assumption like you know your wishful thinking of hopefully these guys can revert back to who they have been in their past and i mean again we've talked a lot about this is kind of the signings the nationals are going to do one year low dollar amount value for veterans who are either trying to prove themselves or trying to rejuvenate their careers. Um, So this fits into the overall plan, right? But, you know, you're also just like kind of wishing and hoping that it actually comes true. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's what they did with Nelson Cruz last year and obviously didn't pan out. So you're, you're, Getting a lot of, and then, you know, Corey Diggers, no offense to these guys, but Corey Dickerson, Jamie Candelario, Dominic Smith don't have the track record of a Nelson Cruz. You're hoping that these guys kind of show where they have been in the past. Of course, Dominic Smith is on the, the younger side. He's only in his mid-20s. Um, but it, best case scenario is still, like, not great, right? I mean, like, and I think it's more likely than not that some of these guys are they've shown what they are over the past couple of seasons. And you're hoping that's not true. Hoping COVID seasons may or whatever may have played a factor injuries. Everyone stays healthy, but it's just unrealistic to think that all these guys are going to be average. Or right. Better. I mean, it's going to be Corey Dickerson's what? 34 year old season. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. He'll turn 34, I believe in May or June. Yeah. So you're not, I mean, you can't expect a big bounce back year for him, but you know, best case scenario, he trends closer to his average over the years. And you know, best case scenario, it's he's good enough that you could flip him at the deadline. Yeah. Um, and that's just the type of players that they're going to have to get because those are the cheapest players. The market this year is crazy. Not that they were going to target any of the, the top tier names, um, but it just wouldn't be realistic because they're not going to be here, you know, when the Nationals are competitive five, six years down the road. These kind of deals are realistic. They can get them for cheap. These one year, two year uh $2 million deals. Yeah. So we were actually going to come into this episode and talk about remaining free agents <laughs> and who the Nationals could sign. And Corey Dickerson was going to be uh-huh. one of them. And, of course, they jumped the gun and, and um, beat us to the punch right there. But, you know, maybe we'll touch on that next week. But as of right now, Amy, do you see this lineup as pretty much being set? Like, is that lineup we just went through your starting lineup on opening day? Yeah, so I think 100% it's yeah. set. And maybe some little minor league deals, signings here and there. But um, as far as going out and getting, you know, major league free agents, I, I think I think it's set. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think the f- major league free agent period has kind of passed for the Nationals. They're not going to – unless, you know, someone – crazies becomes available for whatever reason and they decide to take a chance on but yeah i think this is going to be your opening day lineup i think the bench could be up in the air mm-hmm. you know that graphic you kind of you know don't forget about jake alou possibly possibly right. uh, fighting for a backup spot in the infield so i think the bench will be interesting to keep an eye on in, in spring training and see who how carter keep of course looks can alex call outperform stone garrett can stone garrett prove that he's worth 
a 40-man roster spot. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But I think that starting lineup right there, the way the outfield and the out the infield is set up, and then the lineup. I mean, of course, that the positions in order can change, but I think that's going to be your bare bones opening day lineup. Right. I, th- I think now maybe the t- more attention turns to pitching because mm-hmm. they've lost, you know, a couple bullpen arms, a couple arms that, you know, could go both ways as starters or mm-hmm. bullpen arms. Um, so maybe if they're going to go out and get anybody else, maybe it would be uh, an arm. Well, let's talk about pitching right now because in order to make room for uh, Corey Dickerson, the Nationals designated Andres Machado from assignment. Um, he finished the 2022 season with a respectable 334 ERA and 1365 whip over close to 60 innings. Um, and he actually closed out the year with 17 straight mm-hmm. scoreless innings. There was a one outing. He gave up a couple unearned runs, but doesn't count toward his ERA. So an impressive finish. But it was kind of surprising that Machado was the one that was on the out when they signed Dickerson because of how he finished the season strong. You and I both thought that this bullpen, you know, after bringing back Erasmo Ramirez was going to be the one that, you know, the strong part of this and you didn't really need to touch it. Now you're out Machado. They also made a trade yesterday, bringing in 18 year old Christian Jimenez, a right-hander from the twins organization who hasn't pitched outside the Dominican summer league um, and gave up AJ Alexi, who they claimed from the Rangers, a month ago, and then DFA'd last week to make room for Dominic Smith. So it's just kind of a revolving door here. But essentially, they lost two major league roster pitchers for Corey Dickerson. Now, do the mm-hmm. Nationals have a need to add another pitcher, do you think? Right, exactly. I mean, really, Andres Machado was one of your top bullpen arms with the, aside from Rosmo Ramirez. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned those 17 consecutive scoreless outings to finish the year. He was a guy who could be a long arm out of the bullpen. He could really start if you needed to. I mean, he came up as a starter. Uh, Davey Martinez mentioned he, he came up with this four-pitch mix, and he was like, stop doing that. Throw two pitches perfect. Uh, he got better about locating his fastball, mixing in his changeup, and he did that, and that's why you saw those 17 consecutive scoreless outings uh, to finish out the season. Um, that was a guy that Davey Martinez counted on a lot. Um, and the bullpen was a strength. So now if, now if you look at it, who's going to fill that role? Yeah. I mean, you do have a couple of other guys in this bullpen that can kind of fill that role, be a longer arm out of the bullpen, high leverage situations. But I, I, I was just surprised it was him. I mean, yeah, he was out of options, so that doesn't give them a whole lot of veritability, you know, in the next season. But what about Corey Abbott mm-hmm. uh, or guys like that? Jordan, Jordan Weems was another one. That's, yep. that, that really surprised me. Um, I think, yeah, I... And I also think it's you, know, you combine with the fact that they traded AJ Alexi. Now we had a small sample size of him with the Rangers, and we don't really know what he Not would have. But like he yeah. could have also, I we think that you know he would have probably gone into spring training competing for a rotation spot. Probably would have been on the out, and then would have been another long arm reliever, mm-hmm. or would have been sent down to Rochester and started as a starter there. Yeah. Could have been a spot starter or another long arm reliever if the Nationals' major league bullpen needed it. So now you're kind of out two of those guys. Um, so I, I do think it was interesting that, you know, they made that trade and also uh, we can talk more about the trade in a second, but I think that's a, a smart move getting a guy that was a questionable major leaguer right now, even though he's young and giving up for what who could be a young t- I mean, you're not going to see Christian Jimenez for years cause he's only 18 hasn't pitched in actual minor league baseball yet, but you know that if he ends up becoming something, that's a pretty clever move by Mike Rosa right there that we'll look back on. Oh yeah. Remember when he did that on. January 10th, 2023. Right. So, but, but now they are out two arms and I, I just wonder if I, I, am not questioning the moves themselves. I mean, you maybe, maybe the designate choosing Machado designate for assignment, but I guess your thought process would be 
No one's going to claim him right now. He's probably going to be easier to pass through waivers right now than if we did it closer to opening day. I mean, yeah. Or spring training. Like, I think you'd be happy if you traded Andres Machado for some younger talent. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, these bullpen arms that, you know, they got off of waiver claims or whatever I have it, they find success and then you're able to flip them. That's really good. But that wasn't the case. They, mm -hmm. you know, DFA'd them and exposed them and you're, you know, they're hoping that he'll still be there at the end of the day, but they didn't trade him. You know, they had to DFA him to make room for Corey Dickerson, where I think the AJ Alexi trade is a little bit different because they did trade, did trade him. You know, he had success when he pitched in double A AA and triple A. Um, and then his short stint in the majors, he did not perform well at all. And they were able to get him and then flip him for some younger yeah. talent in Christian Jimenez. So I like that, but the Andres Machado move, not so much. Yeah. And, but like, I think that goes back to like their thought process of it, Ideally, it, it theoretically should be easier for him to pass through waivers right now, sign a minor league deal, come or you know accept his assignment to I guess AAA Rochester or whatever it would be, and be assigned to that roster, and then come into spring training. Like this is how we joined the organization last year, right? A minor yeah. league deal with an invite to major league spring training, and of course that worked out well for him and the team. So I think right now, if you're Mike Rizzo, it's like who's going to claim Andres Machado on January 11th? You know, I I would imagine a couple of days. Knock on wood. I don't want to jinx Mike <laughs> or Andres, but that he's going to go unclaimed and then the Nationals will just keep him in the organization and he'll be at spring training and just work his way back onto the major league roster. Now you couldn't do that again with him and during the season, because if he's having another strong season, well, maybe if you're DFing him in the middle of the season, he's not having a strong season, <laughs> but point being, if he doesn't make the team, then you're risking a higher chance of someone actually claiming him and sure. losing him right now. I mean, and also Corey Abbott's still young. Could take a, someone, a team could take a chance on him. Same with Jordan Weems. Maybe that's why maybe Mike Rizzo's thinking no one's going to take a chance on an Andres Machado. No offense to Machado, but he's just older than those two guys. Right. Not much of a prospect anymore. Uh, whereas Weems and Corey Abbott, a team could take a young a chance on him on, on a younger prospect. Yeah. I know they're not actual prospects, but you know what I mean. Right. I mean, but still, he found much more success last year than both Corey Abbott or Jordan Weems did. Mm. Um, but uh, that is a good point, and probably most likely nobody will claim him. Um, but it's just some of the the pitcher, especially pitchers, not so much position players, but the pitchers that they've chosen to designate this year, um, this offseason has kind of been a little bit interesting and I think a little bit risky, risky especially given if you're not going to go out and get more relievers, you're set with what you have, so you have to count on the guys that found success in 2022, and Andres Machado was one of them. If you're like... Um if you're following along, you might need like a a full like notebook of keeping track of all these moves because it's like signing someone, DFAing right. this person, outriding them, losing them to waivers, DFAing this person, claiming this. So it's we we said this from the beginning of the offseason. This is the type of moves they're gonna make. It's gonna be a lot of waiver claims, minor league deals. They've now made what? Trevor Williams, Candelario, Dominic Smith, and now Corey Dickerson. Only four major league signings this offseason. And then a couple other claims and stuff just kind of fill out the roster. I don't have it in front of me because, again, I left my laptop somewhere. Um, but do you have the press release? Or does it say how many? I Because I'm trying to do the math in my head. If they traded Alexi, they bring in Corey Dickerson, and they DFA Machado, is mm -hmm. their 40-man roster at 39 right now? Or is it Let's still see. full? I believe. It should say at the bottom. I think they typically say at the bottom whether or not it's full. All right, let me hold on. Um, but while you look for that, yeah, I, I'm just curious. Now, I wonder if that trade, because you traded a – Alexi for Jimenez, who had you know decent numbers 
in the twin system. Again, only Dominican Summer League. He pitched to a 530 ERA. Oh, yeah, 530. No, sorry, 338 ERA last season. And 10 appearances in the Summer League. Went one and two. Had a whip of 1152. So, again, a strong prospect. That's Right. The definition of a prospect, whereas Alexi was a 40-man roster guy that could have... I mean, I can go back and just count him yeah, by, by finger. Yeah. Um, but I just wonder if you know they made that move knowing they're bringing in more of a prospect and giving up a major league arm to keep an open roster spot in case they want to bring someone else in. And I and I also like it just because they didn't even have to experiment with AJ Alexi. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, like the, yeah. His time in the majors, really not good. They brought him in and able to flip him to get younger talent. You mm. know what I mean? That's what I, I really like about that. Let me count. At the end of the press release, it didn't say... Uh-uh, the, 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 just said updated. Well, I'm going to have to have a talk with Nats PR because that's not helpful <laughs> right now. Um, but yeah, so I, I just wonder if it's at 39 right now or if it's at 40 because, you know... This is the the business of working with a full forty man roster during the off season. You're going to have to make tough decisions like this, DFAing a guy like Andres Machado when you probably want to go into the season 40. with him. And it's at forty yep. still. And okay, so there you go. And, and again, that's going to be the process moving forward mm-hmm. um, as we get closer to spring training, which we're now close to a month away from. Any other move that they make, you're going to have, have to, DF- to DFA expose somebody, someone yep. to waivers. You can't just option them down. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, if they, and that's why it also goes back to what I think outside of some unforeseen player that they did not expect being made available, they're pretty much done on the major league roster and it's going to be minor league deals from here on out. I think you have to be, unless it's an arm, um, you know, that yeah. will significantly. Like a sign, like, all right, an arm, you're talking about bullpen arm or are you talking about like I mean, a, a starter? The thing is, I mean, right now, I, I guess your rotation set, um, you know, with the addition of Trevor Williams, mm-hmm. uh, keep in mind with but, the keep in mind with the bullpen too. I mean, I know Tanner Rainey technically is holding a, a roster spot, but he's going to be injured. Yeah. Once season starts, he'll be placed back on the sixty day IL. That opens up a forty man spot. That probably opens up a way for Sean Doolittle to if he's healthy, he's going to make the team. Right. right, the way his contract, his minor league deal set up. If Sean proves that he's healthy. He'll slide into that spot right there, but you got to keep in mind that there are also are there are already guys on the fringe of this roster, and also Steven Strasburg will most likely be placed on the sixty day IL on the um at the start of the season. So there are some guys on the fringe of this roster who can make, but Mike Rizzo is going to have to make some maneuvers too if he brings in guys on minor league deals and wants to add them to the major league roster. And they have a lot of guys in this bullpen right now that could potentially start that they could pair together. Um, I mean, I know Davey Martinez said he wanted to experiment with Mason Thompson starting, Um, you know, Paulus, a lot of these guys can be, you know, used paired together. So whether Davey Martinez is, you know, willing and open to do that, we'll see. Um, But, you know, that could be another option for the Nationals. Yeah, your rotation is going to be Gore, Cavalli, Gray, Corbin, Williams. Um, Probably no Steven Strasburg. In it. And then also keep in mind that you look at the 40-man roster, there are guys that they put on here to protect from the Rule 5 draft that are going to be optioned back right. down as soon as they're able to. Um, um, add that ward to that, too, the Rule 5 selection for the Nationals. He has to be on the roster for the whole season or else he has to go back to Boston. So And that's another guy that could start, um, mm-hmm. you know, if necessary for them. Yeah. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how this roster shakes out. Again, we think that this is going to be pretty much <clears throat> what the – the major league roster is going to look like the starting lineup is going to look like, yes, there's going to be position battles in spring training, but I think this is what you're going to be 
basically working with when the Nationals report to West Palm in about a month. Um, I just had a question for you, and it just slipped my mind. Um, come back to me. <laughs> um, international signing period opens Sunday. That opens so Sunday. Be exciting to see. That's one area of uh, that the Nationals have had a lot of success mm. in. So we'll see if they can kind of continue that trend. Do they still get Ilian? Ilian. Ilian yeah. Soto, Juan's little brother. I hope. I think so. I haven't heard anything to the contrary. No. I feel like if he had flipped, we would have heard by now. Yeah, I, I think you would have heard. And, you know, that'll be exciting to yeah. see. Yeah, that's a, that's a name people recognize. I'm, Of course, Christian Vaccaro from last year was one of the top prospects. It'd be interesting to see how he followed his minor league debut this year. I think he spent all of 2022 in the Dominican uh, with the Nationals Academy. So him coming up playing at probably Fredericksburg or I guess maybe starting in the Gulf Coast League, right. Complex League, whatever it's called now. Then going up to Fredericksburg will be interesting to follow. He was a top prospect in last year's international signing period. Uh, non-tender deadline is also on Friday. Um, no, sorry, not non-tender. Sorry, arbitration. Yes. Arbitration. arbitration. Non-tender already passed. Arbitration. <laughs> talking about guys like Carl Edwards Jr., Kyle Finnegan, Tanner Rainey already agreed. Uh, Ildemaro Vargas already agreed. Um, I think Lane Thomas and Victor Robles are also a part of this group. So, no one's getting cut. No one's leaving the team. Right. It's just determining what salaries. The numbers are, yeah. If they agree, salary's done. If they don't, they have to go to an arbitration hearing, uh, and I believe in a month or two. I think it's sometime during spring training. Um, the Nationals are typically pretty good at getting those done. Yeah, that doesn't of. happen often. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, I can't remember the last time mm -hmm. they went to an arbitration hearing. So expect announcement from that on sometime Friday, international signing period on Sunday. There was another question I had, and I can't think of what it was. It was really bothering me. Um, but for you, Amy, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was like, I was trying to do that like uh, trick. Like if you just start talking, it'll come to you. Oh, yeah. And it didn't. I just feel like Michael Scott up here just like, <laughs> and I had a thought and I put it in my shoe and then I forgot until now. Um, I think that's it. I think we can wrap it up yeah. there. <laughs> that's so before, be we're struggling it's, we're today. Struggling. It's, yeah. yeah. What a, what a Wednesday, Jeez. huh? Man, uh, what a week, huh? What a, what a life, huh? <laughs> yeah. uh, thanks for tuning in. We'll get out of here before we say anything else that's kind of ridiculous. Uh, big shout out to Brendan Morrison for producing today's show. Behind the scenes, of course, you can follow Amy on Twitter at Amy Jennings News. I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. At Mass and Nationals across the board. Stay up to date with all the latest Nationals news this offseason. Be sure to check out the Hot Stove Show Friday night, 9.30 on Masson. Uh, Mark Zuckerman, Brendan Morrison has all the latest news. We'll have more on Corey Dickerson signing anything else that comes up over the next couple of hours or so. Uh, Mass and All Access Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, subscribe to the Mass and All Access Podcast. We'll be back live next week, Wednesday, 1 o'clock, Facebook, YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that notification button so you know exactly when we are going live. Thank you so much for tuning in. And the Mass and All Access Podcast is brought to you by Toyota. For legendary safety and reliability, choose Toyota and let's go places.